Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 135. I am Aaron, and with me as always is Fredo and Dave. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. And uh, so, um, man, a uh, lot, of, lot of stuff going on. Uh, uh, we, we're going to be talking tonight about uh, um, the last two episodes of Andor, so episodes seven and eight, the announcement and the name of some planet i can't remember it's something five um narcissa five or something no it's harry potter um but anyway we're going to be talking about what's going on andor um but it's uh, you know one of the cool things i it snuck up on me i didn't realize that yesterday was the 26th and lo and behold tales of the jedi um dropped and it's uh what is it fredo six episodes six Six mm-hmm. six short episodes of about ten to fourteen minutes each, and probably more mm-hmm. like about the fourteen fifteen minute mark. Um, and uh, so, I, so cool. Um, so we're, we might we're going to talk just on the surface of that a little bit um, because Dave hasn't watched it, so we don't want to totally spoil it for Dave. Um, but uh, and I'll try not to do my whole the hangover was the funniest movie since animal house reaction but i thought this was i thought this was really cool this is some of the this is some great star wars animation i thought story some good storytelling um but uh yeah we'll talk about that um and we're not going to talk anything about saints football because there's nothing to talk about saints football um so i just won't because i think i just keep jinxing them um but other than that how are we doing? So uh, Halloween's coming up, Dave. Are the kids got their costumes all ready to go? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they're 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 ready to go. Um, Can you what? tell us what they're going as? Um, all right, it's a little complicated. Uh, Nathan is a like a skeleton dinosaur thing. Uh, Har- Harper's doing Elsa. I think she's done Elsa before. And um, Olivia's doing Spider Gwen. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Have you seen the uh, the Spider Man and Spider Gwen car that drives around town? I don't know. I've I've encountered that. No. I think I I think I sent a picture to to the other group, the other chat group that we have. You know, uh, you and Kate and everything. Um, it was parked outside of my office building a few months ago. I've seen it a couple times. So, um, yeah. So is it like the Wiener Mobile? No, the... it's a, it's a really cool car that has you know really cool Spider Gwen and Spider Man graphics on it. So, um, yeah. So and I'm playing a gig at the Carry on Saturday. So with all the Halloween festivities going on, so may God be with me in the in that quest. Um, so. Are there any Irish Halloween songs? You know, well, you know, Halloween originated in Ireland. It's right. a, it's a, you know, it's a Celtic holiday, so uh, or or a celebration, not a holiday, but celebration. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, well, there's uh, no, not, I mean, not really. No, I mean, I I know I know a song where somebody comes back to life because whiskey gets thrown on him. So um, that's a good one right there. Yeah, let's yeah, do that. So. <laughs> Anyway, uh, and it's funny. I'm actually I'm I'm playing with uh, with a friend from the session, and uh, so it's we're doing you know obviously doing a duo, and she's dressing up uh, 
because it's Halloween and I'm, I'm not. I'm going to be the curmudgeon because I don't need anything getting in the way of already my fumbling hands over cords. So anyway, um, but cool. All right. Well, let's jump into some Star Wars trivia, shall we? Um, da, 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 da. All right. So who wants to go first here? Um, I think I went Fredo last week. So Dave, you're first. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'm not giving this one. Sorry. Come on. It's the first one you see, right? Gosh. What ghostly trio are reunited on Endor? Ghostly what trio. ghostly trio are reunited on Endor? That is perfect for Halloween. It is perfect for Halloween. All right. So, again, this is going to be embarrassing if I don't get it. Um, I'm going to say it was Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Anakin Skywalker, and Yoda. That is absolutely correct. Yes. All right. Um, so, all right. So let's ask the controversial question. Um, should it have been Sebastian Shaw? I almost said Sebastian Stan. Should it have been the, <laughs> the old guy, Anakin, from the end of Return of the Jedi? That is the ghost, like, was originally released? Or do you prefer the Hayden Christensen? Now, don't get into how creepy his look is, but just adding Hadri having Ad uh, bleh, Hayden Christensen as the ghost. I, I could see why they went with Hayden just because from the standpoint of if you watch the entire saga one through six, you have spent more time with Hayden Christensen than you ever did with Sebastian. Except I'm going to, I'm going to see you almost said Sebastian Stan too. I'm going to argue with you because Luke never saw Anakin Skywalker Anakin. as Hayden Christensen. He only saw old man, you know, under the mask. So in my head canon, that's why that makes, it would make no sense. That's why I still say if my dad came back to haunt me, it would not be my dad from 19, you know, pre-1973 because I don't, I don't know that guy. That'd be some weird dude, some weird young dude haunting. You'd be like, who are you? Now that's what he's going to do to mess with me. But anyway, I don't know. Dave, well, what do you think? I've always kind of, sided with Aaron on this but I, but lately I've come around to the thought that maybe Luke saw an image of his dad at some point as a younger man because you find out who your dad is and you're like oh gosh at first this is terrible but then it's like okay well let me look into who this person was and then he finds out about Anakin Skywalker and he reads up on him and All right, so then there you go. does that mean that uh, we should do a special special edition and put Ewan McGregor in place of uh, of uh, Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness. Eh, I, don't, I don't think it's necessary, oh, but you, you know, it wouldn't you guys, bother me. You guys are complicated. All right, because <laughs> I see, and and that goes to to your point. Luke had the relationship with Ben. Right. That's why he always called him Ben. And he never, you know, it was never Obi Wan to him. He was always Ben. So that's different. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Hayden Christensen at the end of Return of the Jedi. No. I think so. they should just superimpose Ian McDiarmid over every character. Just put Ian in, oh, into every role. They should have Jar Jar right behind a, the three of them and put his arms around all of them. Obi! Obi! Misa back! Oh, okay, sorry. We're back to trivia. Um, Fredo! Mm -hmm. Who tells a curious Anakin you catch on pretty quick? Who tells a curious Anakin you catch on pretty quick? Ooh, I would have gotten that wrong. 
for some goofy reason, I want to say Rick, say Rick Ocasek, but even though that's not the guy's name, it is Rick, but it's the pilot of the uh, of the Naboo ship. I will give that to you. It's Rick Oli. Yeah. Rick See, Oli. That's that's why Rick Ocasek stuck in my head. I was... <laughs> now you just got to picture the, the lead guy from the cars piloting in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, kids, the cars were a rock band from the 70s and 80s. Oh, he didn't sing drive. Um, now I was, I was going to say Qui-Gon. That was my gut reaction. And then I was like, oh, no, that's wrong. So, all right. Well, I'm sticking with uh, the Phantom Menace here. Um, who will need Queen Amidala's help, according to Governor Bibble? Who will need Queen Amidala's help, according to Governor Bibble? And Governor Bibble was referring to Senator Palpatine, I believe. Yes, mm-hmm. Senator Palpatine. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. All right. Awesome. Governor Bibble. The exception of Dave's question was pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, make us stop and actually think for a moment. But the whole the whole force ghost thing, like I said, that I mean that is a that's that's an, that's a, a discussion that can can get heated, I think, just as to why somebody becomes a force ghost and why they don't become a force ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually kind of bothered that uh, I, there was there was a part of me that was bothered that Qui Gon was now a force ghost, in at the end of Kenobi, Kenobi. because. In the Clone Wars episodes, he said, I didn't complete my training. So, I don't know. I guess, did he get to take extension courses when he died or something? And, you know, get his GED or something? And then he was able to, I don't know. Um, But but to your point, and think of in The Rise of Skywalker, when uh, Force Ghost Luke shows up for Rey, it's not Return of the Jedi Luke. It's old guy Luke that she made in Last Jedi. And I still think that they should have had every single Force ghost they could have had at the, you know, when they were all talking to Rey, I would have been down for, you know, even if, and they could have just maybe just animated them slightly. So even like the Luke and Leia kind of looked a little bit, so get halfway between real life and Clone Wars, you know, so it was, or just fade. I would have been all down for like the whole, just straight out of Lord of the Rings, you know, when all the ghosts, you know, go attacking the, the bad guys. So, well, and just, just when you think about it in terms of they had, they tried giving you the big Avengers Endgame moment when uh, all the ships come out of hyperspace to attack the final orders fleet, but the Jedi force goes Jedi showing up to defend Ray, that would have been that moment. Because yeah, except we would have, have made fun. Ca- we would have made fun of him for ripping off Lord of the Rings. So I mean, <laughs> would have been one or the other. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, how about how about some news? We got a couple news stories here. Yep. We'll start with the easy one first, just because we can just kind of congratulate, and uh, the other one might be a bit more uh, meaty in terms of discussion. So uh, a few days ago. They had the 47th annual Saturn Awards, which are big science fiction fantasy awards show. And there were a number of Star Wars shows that and people who won. Uh, so let's see. Obi-Wan Kenobi picked up 
uh, awards for Best Limited Event Series, Best Supporting Actress for Moses Ingram, Best Guest Star for Hayden Christensen, and then Bad Badge kind of kept the streak going for Star Wars Animated with Best Animated Series. I think every Star Wars, every animated award has gone to a Star Wars show. And then uh, Ming-Na Wen won for Best Actress in a streaming series for Book of Boba Fett. So, you know, three of the 48 categories and Star Wars to five. Right on. Nicely done. We still can't win a writing award in the Academy Awards, which maybe one day. Um, however, I wonder if this Andor series is going to get anything in the Emmys. Um because it's, it's going to be interesting. It's got some good stuff. Anyway, I, we don't need to speculate on that right now. Um, well, let's speculate about this. So just three days ago, Hollywood Reporter broke a story regarding a secret writer's room, a rising scribe, and a post-Skywalker timeline was the headline. A look inside Damon Lindelof's Star Wars movie. So their story goes that there's been a secret Star Wars movie project led by Damon Lindelof, who, uh, for people who don't, don't know of him, he's one of the co-creators of Lost. He was the creator of the HBO series The Leftovers. He was the executive producer of HBO's adaptation of Watchmen. So the guy is steeped in all sorts of science fiction and fantasy stuff. And uh, it was apparently revealed Sunday that uh, he's working alongside Charmaine uh, Obeid Chinoy, who's one of, the, one of the directors from Miss Marvel. So apparently what they report is this. Project's been in the works for months. It's been, been kept very tightly under wraps. Uh, Lindelof is writing the new script with uh, one of um, uh, a guy by the name of Justin Britt Gibson, who's worked with Guillermo del Toro uh, in a couple of shows. And uh, apparently it's been a secret project that's been in work since July. And... Uh, they were doing it while Lucasfilm was doing all the other Star Wars projects. And apparently Dave Filoni may have also been present in this secret writer's room meeting. They're saying right now they consider it a standalone project. The hope is that it would lead to more movies and that it would take place after the events of Rise of Skywalker and could at some point feature characters from the sequel trilogy without it being a continuation of the sequel trilogy. If 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 uh, Oscar Isaac needs a new house, um, yep. So, all right. So a couple things because we can't really speculate as to what this show is going to be about. But I have uh, two other mm -hmm. things I want to talk about that are related to this. I mean, so we can talk about mm -hmm. all three at once. First of all, I think did we mention it last week on the um, on the podcast about uh, uh, I think it's Michelle Rejwan stepping down from her role in Lucasfilm or, and she's, she's because she was head of like, um, uh, creative development or something. I mean, she was basically mm -hmm. in, in charge of the movies, you know, type of thing. And so she stepped out, she didn't get fired. She didn't leave Lucasfilm. She's going to do something else. But then there's another article that came out a couple days ago. And I don't think I shared this with you guys, new star Wars announcements prevented by Disney. Um, Industry insider Matthew Bellany reported that Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, quote, was advised by Disney to stop announcing projects and creative partners. <laughs> I, I, I do not. I mean, 
I don't I don't doubt this for a minute because that's what we've been talking about. It's a high criticism is that they just keep saying, you know, it, the, Star Wars is starting to become the crazy guy, you know, in your neighborhood that's saying that the Russians are invading. And, you know, I mean, here's it's another Star Wars movie has been announced. And, you know, here's another Star Wars movie that's being announced. Here's another Star Wars movie. And nothing is coming of this. Um, Taika Waititi, what's he doing? You know, Ryan Johnson says he still has his idea. You know, I mean, we've got that as a quote. But um, I find this very interesting that that uh, that all these things, it's like stop announcing things until you actually have... You know, wait wait until you start filming, maybe. I don't know. Well, particularly when you consider that a lot of the excitement that's happened in the last, what, four years has all been along the Disney Plus side, all the TV shows, whether it's uh, stuff like The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and or, or even stuff like Bad Batch or you know animated stuff. It's all been on that edge. So while there's been a lot of excitement and a lot of stuff regarding Rogue Squadron or... Kevin Feige's hey, movie. Remember when, uh, remember when uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff was supposed to do, you know, things? I mean... Yeah. Right. Well, that died quickly when everybody saw season eight of Game of Thrones, but we'll, we will leave that there. Uh, I, I just think there, there there is a sense of you cannot keep burning the audience from Disney. Like, you got to temper expectations. It's one thing to say... Uh, we have a director, we have a script, we're making it or we're in the process of making it. Kind of like whenever when we were getting the uh, behind the scenes footage of stuff like Rogue One. It'd be one thing if it was that, okay, we're in production, we're doing something, take a look. But right now, all they're saying is we have projects, we don't have titles. There's a few people you may have heard of who are involved, a few people who you don't know. And we're hoping to maybe one day tell you what's that all about, like, you can only do that so often before people go, look, just, just tell me when yeah, it's, I, what day it's coming out. Well, I'm, I'm that I'm one of those people now I'm getting, you know, it's, um, star Wars announcements like this that, you know, mm-hmm. cause I think I sent you guys the link for that, you know, that announcement mm-hmm. that there's a secret movie being made. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. get excited about it anymore. You know, it's like until I see, you know, stuff on the screen, or if I see pictures of them filming, then I'll, I'll get like giddy about it. But until then, it's like, put your money where your mouth is. I mean, Marvel is churning things out, both on Disney Plus and on, um, in, the, in the theaters. Dave, by the way, have you seen the end of She-Hulk yet? Oh, I have. I think it was Fredo who hadn't seen it yet. Oh, Fredo, yeah. Did you, did you see it finally? Okay. Yeah. Yes, right. I finally saw it. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kevin. And by the way, did you guys see that the subtitles ruined that surprise? Because in this, they, they oh. had to change the subtitles because the subtitles actually had it as um, an acronym, had it as a an, you know an abbreviation with it with the period. <laughs> so they, you know, where uh, the rest of us just watching it, it's like, oh, they're talking about Kevin Feige. Are we going to get? But it was the robot. Um, wah, wah. But no, I mean, you know, Marvel's turning this stuff out. They got their boogie together. You know, it's like I don't know. I don't know like I said, I, so <laughs> I, I mean, I'm almost to the point where it's like I don't know. I'm not gonna don't really want to give any air to you know announcements anymore unless it's you know something concrete the marvel comparisons are tough um and we i think we've talked about that for a long time maybe since the 
beginning of this show, we've been talking about Marvel, you know, D- Disney and Marvel versus Star Wars, and how are they doing things differently? Um, I think like part of the problem with looking at it that way is that the, the Marvel churn is just so high, and I don't think anybody on our, well, at least any of the people sitting here right now, um, feel that Star Wars needs that level of churn. Well, let's be um, let's be honest. Also, you know, Star Wars is the fighter that came out of retirement. You know, while Marvel was, you know, the champion and in its prime. So it's, uh, so yeah, I mean, keep going, Dave. Sorry. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the comparison, I guess, is natural because they're both Disney properties and they were both bought. Um, and so it's, it's just, I guess there's just this natural comparison point for people. But the, the, these, these properties are not going to ever be, similar in terms of the volume of content they churn out and i wouldn't want star wars to be pushing out it, it's something seemed... like multiverse of madness no i, I would agree with you 100 100 i agree with you um but i think that there is a formula there's a machine that lucasfilm could learn from you know they don't have to put out the quantity but i mean Marvel has, like I said, they've got their boogie together as far as we are going to get, they, they get things done. Very rarely have we seen anything get announced that doesn't get, you know, eventually on the screen. Um, I think because of the volume, though, this is why the, where the pressure for Star Wars enters into this, right? It's like, will Marvel announce X, Y, and Z at this event? What are you announcing? And then it's like, well, we got to have something. And so then there's this sort of internal competition factor that goes into this. And again, they're never going to produce the same volume of stuff. So I think they're maybe a little bit of a victim of Marvel's success in a way or Kevin Feige's success. It's like they need to just, like you said, I think we're all in agreement. Like, just shut yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> put shut up, up unless you have something put up or shut up yeah solid it's like, yeah and you know what we would also i think be very happy if it was just like one really good damn movie and then we had to wait you know five years you know seven years for another one really big damn good movie um hey by the mm-hmm. way remember when lando was supposed to be coming out <laughs> My neighbor is friends with Donald Glover. I can go have him call and say, hey, has anybody been talking to you? <laughs> yeah, he's he's probably going to tell you, yes, it's on the back burner along with the next Childish Gambino album. Right. Uh, I think in some ways, and here's what I'll say regarding the Marvel comparison. Nobody can be compared to Marvel because nobody has their stuff down tight like Marvel. Marvel knows what the heck it's doing. They know who's making it. They know when it's coming. They are a whale machine. If anything, Star Wars is more like the DC with Warner Brothers, where, hey, we got a good thing with Wonder Woman. Hey, we got a good thing with Aquaman. Okay, that kind of didn't quite work with Suicide Squad. Hey, we got a good thing with Peacemaker. Okay, that maybe didn't work. And hey, Black Adam's kind of okay, but look, we're gonna bring back we're gonna bring back uh, Henry Cavill to be Superman because that's what the fans want. And yeah, sure, we'll put the four-hour Justice League extended thing on HBO Max. So. 
that's more of where Star Wars is right now. They're not the whale oil machine. They're just kind of going along. Some projects hit, some projects maybe don't hit as much with the side guys. Some some people are into some things, some people are not. Or I do think in reality, and, and I agree with you this, Aaron, is it's perfectly, it's understandable. They have D23, Comic-Con, uh, I'm trying to think, it's like all these major events where they're expected to come out with stuff. And I'm just like, I understand where Lucasfilms has this pressure to put out an announcement of something, but they don't necessarily link. I mean, this is where developing Indiana Jones, having Willow, developing all the other properties that they do have is going to help them in the long run. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> because, because it's really going to... Uh, allow them to take some of that pressure of Star Wars where they don't have to be, okay, we got a new movie coming out. Yeah. Okay, well, what's coming out? We don't know. Well, who's making it? Well, this guy and that guy, they're working on a script. When are we going to see something about it? We don't know. So it creates a dynamic where you have so many projects that everybody knows exist in the ether, but they don't quite really exist in real life. Whereas Marvel can say, look, we got Black Panther coming out. Here's a trailer for Ant-Man. Here's scenes that we're shooting for the Marvels. Here's, is... the, you know, like they can point to every project down the pipeline, and that's great. But that is a rarity. They're the exception to the rule. Sorry to get you all get all uh, get us all down a rabbit hole there. It's going to be like like Prince's Vault. You know, we're going to find out that there's like a ton of Star Wars movies that have been made that we don't know about until Lucasfilm has a going out of business sale. Um, no, there's one other thing about this. Like I Marvel pushes out so much stuff that when they do change the schedule or something does fall through then it's not a big deal because there's so much other stuff coming down it's like two months from now is like you know this movie and this show and this other show and it's like i don't i can't care that um fantastic four got bumped a year but you know, I, or whatever I, the case may be and i will say as my final shot on this one is that the more that they do this they're going to run into problems like they did with Solo, where people were like, oh, there was a new Star Wars movie that came out because people are just not going to give a rat's butt, you know, mm-hmm. because they're going to, oh, you know, I, I, we hear about things and it's going to start to be people almost like us where it's, you know, fans who are like, OK, I'm, I'm tired of listening. And then, you know, it's like then these movies sneak up and it's like, I'll just catch it on Disney Plus. Um, but... No, I guess I'll just to finish up real quick. I guess I'll just say, and you're right. It's the smart thing to do would be to have an idea of okay, we are making a movie, say 2022 right now. We are making the, we're working towards putting one movie out in 2025, and it'll be great. It will be the best movie we can make. We don't care who it is, whether it's Taika or Patty Jenkins or or Damon Lindelof or whoever, and then somebody else just work on making your movie for 2027. Okay, that's two movies. You don't have to worry about coming up with a trilogy. You don't have to worry about coming up with a whole new redefining of the universe. It can just be a good movie. And it comes out and everything's great. You'll get excitement. And then, you know, because the thing is, creators want to play in this universe, but you can't just simply go, okay, we're going to sign everybody up. And then, yeah, but you have nothing yeah. to show for it. So, so moving on. Um, released again yesterday was tales of the jedi and again fredo's watched them all i've watched them all um six episodes dave hasn't watched them dave do you mind if i give the titles 
and the brief yeah, descriptions. All right. So episode one is life and death. And it says a child goes through a rite of passage with unexpected results. Number episode two is called justice. And it says two Jedi are dispatched to resolve a hostage situation on a distant planet. Episode three is choices. And it description there jedi knights investigate the mysterious death of one of their own episode four is the sith lord and it says a jedi master makes a troubling discovery episode five is practice makes perfect and it's a jedi padawan is given a seemingly impossible exercise and episode six is resolve a former jedi is faced with the truth that they cannot be something they are not um, I will say personally, I think you can skip episode one, um, but you, you'll watch it. But that was the, my least favorite of them all. Um, these are short. These are really good. There's some some uh, some cool things that are were kind of unexpected. Um, there's some cool links to things that we have seen both um, in animated form and on the screen. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it just, I was, I was skeptical about these going in and I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. I just, uh, overall, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the format I enjoy because it's, because it's not a, a, a long running series. It does, you don't have to commit. It's not a long commitment. It's not a big commitment. It's similar in nature to Star Wars visions in that way where, it leaves you wanting more, which is usually better than trying to overwhelm you. Uh, I would agree. It I felt would a lot for, like Visions. Yeah. I would love for this to be kind of like a different version of it. Another anthology series that they can just come out where hopefully they, again, they try to bring in some animation guys and some, you know, people who love that medium and just used to tell different stories. This would be a wonderful opportunity to go and tell whether it's further adventures with Luke in uh, post Return of the Jedi, but before uh, the Mandalorian, that'd be interesting. See, or we go back to <laughs> Jedi Padawan Yoda kind of thing. You can you can play around with all this stuff because number one, it's animated, so you're not limited by your budget in terms of special effects, and number two, it creates a dynamic where you can tell sorts of different stories without feeling like you have to make it fit a certain way. So, I, I, I love the format. Uh, I think it's well done. I love these episodes. So, Dave, you said you heard something that uh, this doesn't jive with canon. Yeah, and I thought um, I've seen a lot of discussion amongst the fan community about that in particular. Um, just like this, there are certain points in these stories that don't match up to previously established canon, particularly where the novels uh, and written word are concerned. And I think. Um, I think that that's its own discussion, right? But then I also saw a point that somebody made, and this is very difficult to refute. Um, I think the point people are making, and again, this not everybody's making this point, so there's a logical leap already. But I think the point people are making is that this episode is so nearly an adaptation to the end of the Ahsoka novel, speaking of Ahsoka story, Nice. And instead, instead of just putting Caden Lart, a black queer woman, on screen, they went with a white woman. And again, like, 
I'm not. I read the. I've read the Ahsoka novel. Um, that they, they didn't like linger <laughs> on on uh, the race or sexual orientation of any of the characters. Yeah, I've the, read the novel story. as well, and I that, that made me kind of go, huh? Yeah, um, but, but I again, I see it as being a valid critique in the sense that, well, gosh, here's an opportunity for representation if you just adapt the way that it was written and then they just you know for whatever reason just choose not to um and i think like that's this whole other discussion to have uh, yeah it makes me want to go read that novel again because i don't know if it is if it is a a to a you know right. um my first thought was um mm-hmm. that I mean, it, it, I mean, it kind of is, um, but I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, but I, it, however, I think my reaction was also if, if I was, if I was not a straight white man, you know, then I yeah. might take more issues. I mean, obviously yeah. because it's like, wow, I see myself in this book and then they put it on screen. And it's like, Oh, what? You know? And so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, claim my unconscious bias here that that's probably what's kicking in is that that didn't stick out to me and the, the larger know. question at play really is like is there any sort of obligation to, to the original canon or and and it, should there be and is it weird um if they do break from it um is it something that can be seen as a necessary evil at times. Well, can I mean, they, they already t- have. They already have. Yeah. I mean, the end of Clone Wars is not the same as what we read in the Ahsoka novel. Right. In those vignettes. So they've mm-hmm. changed that. Um, and, uh, yeah. Again, it's, for me, like, I could see both sides of the argument with this stuff, right? Like, why does the story group exist if not to, like, prevent continuity? Sort of... Yeah. Yeah. For continuity and consistency absolutely so like why are they there you know like that's again i know they don't have like full control over it it's like i mean people people come to them ask them questions they give them answers and then they can do with those answers whatever they want to do um, and, and kind of getting into our Andor discussion i mean it's kind of like when they're making rogue one they're like we need this rebel and george lucas is the one to say we already got one it's saw guerrera you know, it's like, yeah. why, why did it take George Lucas to come out of retirement to say that, you know, somebody, you know, Pablo, what are you doing, dude? You know, <laughs> you should be the one saying that, yeah, we, we here, let me open up my file cabinet. We got one, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, so yeah, that, I mean, the, there's that, but then there's the other side of the coin, which is like, why should we be like slaves to canon if we're going to be out here trying to tell an interesting story and, I don't it think also that we gets into need to be. yeah. It also gets into just the nature of storytelling as well, and not to give anybody, not to make any excuses for anybody, but it's like, you know, if the three of us encounter an event, we're all at the same event, and then you know, forty years from now, you know, we're conveying that event to our families. If somebody was to record that, things are going to be different, right? The basics are going to be there, but you know, maybe it wasn't, maybe I said some guy said this and it actually was, you know, some lady said that the fact is that it was said, you know? So 
I think sometimes that gives a little bit of wiggle room, but we're dealing with, with bigger issues here. And we're like, so there's, you know, talk about representation um, and or is kind of hitting it out of the park. So, um, so we're going to talk about tales of the Jedi next week um, and uh, give Dave time to do the homework. Um, And uh, so let's dive into Andor. We've got two episodes to talk about. We have the announcement and then um, Narnia 5 or whatever it is. Nar- Narkina 5. <laughs> You're almost there. Almost there. Um, so uh, real quick, uh, let's just kind of hit on the the announcement. I was totally wrong. I said there's no way that Cassian can go back to his plant. Dave was 100% right. I said there's no way he can go back to his planet because he's a wanted man. And But what does he do? He goes back to the planet. And um, so... But let, uh, here I'm reading from StarWars.com, uh, their blog on um, five highlights from Episode 7, The Announcement. Um, one, they say, uh, the quote, we're playing straight into their hands. Um, the ISB supervisor, Miro, um, she's kind of ahead of everybody on, on what's going on here. She's seeing what... And, they're again we talk about they're treating it as a robbery but this is she said this is an announcement that she recognizes that something bigger is at play here um we saw by the way in this episode um wolf lorar uh Wol- uh Wolaren? Wolaren, yes yeah yalaren yalaren there you go yalaren sorry i'm like messing up names all over the place um <laughs> but he was the guy in a new hope the one dude in the white coat you know um and then they, he just clone became Wars. yeah then he became in the clone Wars. it just became like this uber um expanded universe uh hero um but anyway he is in there and um we kind of see the uh the empire starting to to cramp down on things we'll talk about it a little bit more um but number two point they say cyril's first day on the job so cyril is back and he's got a job um in a cubicle um says uncle harlow came through um though for a righteous true believer like cyril boring data work is in the imperial bureau of standards only adds to a string of disgrace um the third point quote is i want to tell you something mon mothma we find out who she's trying to recruit that's an old childhood friend who runs banks because rebellions need money and mon mothma needs into her bank accounts it seems like what they're frozen or something or she just doesn't have access to them but she needs money. Um, yeah, that stuff's being monitored as the impression that I got. The transit major transactions are being monitored closely. Well, oh, it's like when you go on vacation, it's like you get gas. I got gas in Louisiana one time and then got, you know, gas in um, Illinois and suddenly Wells Fargo's closing down my account because what are you skipping around? It's like people go on vacation. Um, Number four, they say a goodbye because um, Cassian, one of the people, obviously he tries to go get his mom to leave with him, but uh, mom has become a rebel and she's, it was really interesting. She was inspired by what happened on Aldani and he couldn't tell her that it was him, you know, but of course he saw, he, he doesn't see it as anything glorious right now. He sees it as, you know, people died and it all went to crap. Um, but it's inspiring 
people. We can talk about these more in depth here in a second. But the fifth point is that uh, it says take it up with the emperor. This is where I thought we went off the rails a little bit when all of a sudden Cassian is, everybody says, on Miami Beach. I think it looks a little bit more <laughs> like Monte Carlo or something. Or I don't know. Anyway, he's walking along a beach and then all of a sudden a K2 droid comes out and he gets arrested and sent to prison for six years. So that was goofy as all get out, but that's where the announcement was. So what what do you guys think about uh, about this episode? Sure, sure. Yeah, I know. I liked it. It was not what I expected. I really thought that we were going to get sort of, sort of time jump forward where we're going to get, um, you know, see Cassian at a different point. I like the fact that they dealt with the immediate aftermath. I like the fact that this became such a big deal that everybody, I love the moment when uh, the head of ISB is activating everybody, tells everybody, call everybody in your team. This is a big deal. This is no longer, you know, and Miro is right. They're treating it like a robbery, but they're treating it like a robbery of, you know, they stole from them. Uh, so I really appreciate it from that aspect. Uh, the the Cyril stuff was just kind of hilarious. Like, this guy's desperate to do something that matters, something big. And he gets put in the most drone of drone jobs ever. Like, like, like he couldn't, like, he had George Jetson's job, but less fun. Because he couldn't take time <laughs> off of it. But we'll, and then, but we'll um, find out. It's interesting. We'll, when we get to the next episode, we'll find out. That's, I mean, it was kind of a, a strategic score him mm-hmm. yeah and then uh but yeah what well, uh, and i love i love the moment when cassian goes back and sees the aftermath of what he did in the first three episodes because that's one of again that's a different thing that star wars hasn't necessarily shown us before we don't usually get our heroes going back where they came from they, if they go back they usually going back at the end of their story similar in nature to the hero's journey we just go back and just staring into the twin suns kind of thing this was no, you're going to go back and you're going to see how you screwed everybody you loved over. Because out went the corpos, in came the Empire. They're taking people off the street. They're questioning in horrible ways. They're making people miserable. And then to be hit with the reality that he's inspired his his mom's rebellious uh, nature to uh, to challenge the Empire. When all he wants to do is just, look, I got my money. I've made it. Let's get out of here. And then for that to not even come, not to give him any pleasure, because the Empire's response is, Whoop, we're just going to send you to jail for daring to walk a bit too fast for our liking, for daring to be outside, uh, you know, when we're having a bad day. So, so the purpose, and we'll get to that, but but it's well, it was interesting that nothing he did went well the way he thought it was going to go Let, let's do this because i think because we keep saying we'll talk about this later let's let's just real quick just kind of run down a recap of episode eight because it the, and or we were talking fredo and i were talking before dave got on the call that it, it, it's tough to talk about and or one episode at a time because it it moves at a slower pace it moves it not really slower but longer it's like, you know, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. So this this most recent episode, um, Cassian is in prison. And it's all about prison life. And by the way, when I said it was funny because my wife partway through the episode, she says, she said, you know, your comparison to Jean Valjean and Javert 
is not far off. And that's why I put it in our notes. It, it has become like Les Miserables in space um, because you've got Cassian's working in a prison just like, you know, for, for a crime he didn't commit, you know, and he's got Cyril or Javert, you know, hunting down his, you know, and I'm going to make an now Moby Dick reference, but his white whale, you know, and that's mm -hmm. what, that's all Cyril is doing is he's just, searching the internet looking for Cassian. So again, it's this Javert, Jean Valjean relationship that I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to predict it here right now that Cassian is going to save, um, Cyril's life or Cyril's going to realize mm -hmm. that Cassian's not that bad of a dude. It's going to be totally Les Mis. Um, but I was wrong this week, so we'll see. Um, I'll, I'll throw another uh, literary reference out here that we might see some of uh, Count of Monte Cristo, which uh, he's going to have to get out of this situation in some manner at some point. So, so. What's, what's interesting, though, so Cassian's in prison, and we don't have to go into all the ins and outs of all the things that's going on in prison, but... Um, that he he's in prison, but they keep cutting back to Mon Mothma's fundraising party. It's very much the the haves and the have-nots, and I think I think that's the broader story that that they're telling here is that there's nothing in the middle when it comes to the empire. You either have everything or you have nothing, and and then it's also we're seeing for the first time the the tyranny and the ugliness of the empire and just the disregard of life from the empire that's the first time we've really seen it it's always been kind of implied i mean they blew up a planet yes but but to see that personal intimate you know torture of people and liking the torture um so we have those but then also what's going on, sorry, in episode seven is that we get this little side plot where Luthen's um, assistant, assistant. Mm -hmm. is she gets with Val and says, you got to take out Cassian because Cassian's a problem. So we got this side thing. And then episode eight, we have Cinta and Val on Cassian's planet. I can't remember what the planet's name is, but they're looking oh, for Ferex. him. On Ferrix. Yeah, they're they're looking for him. Um, so it's all sorts of kind of goofy right now. Well, and that's kind of the point is that what's interesting is Cyril's looking for Cassian Andor, and by this episode, by Narkino 5, he has been officially identified by the ISB as a target. But the fact of the matter is because he's using an alias in prison, he didn't know that they got him imprisoned already. Uh, by the way, the, the the comparison I made to that prison was not literary. It was action movie. If you ever seen John Woo's Face Off, the prison yeah. where they had the magnetic boots, this was like the inverse of that. Yeah, it's like here you're barefoot and you're barefoot for a reason, so they can just electroshock and kill you if you don't be you know if you don't meet your quotas. A um, THX uh, yeah. vibes, yeah. you know. Very, very, very clean, very stark, very black and white. There's, mm -hmm. there's almost no color besides the little chevrons on their sleeves, and uh, we, we get Proto Snoke as the <laughs> team lead. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, we get Under Circus. But, but it goes to it goes to the bigger point of regarding the nature of the Empire. Luthen is right to say 
I want them to come down on us. That was the, you know, yes, the mission was to catch this money, but the mission was also to create such a reaction because people are accustomed to just slowly, slowly losing their rights. If we do something heavy, the Empire is going to come and down that, and it's going to be a stark reminder. And he says that in episode seven, but also he says it in eight because in episode eight, he, he goes and meets up with Saul Guerrero. And mm-hmm. it is, you know, what we got about two minutes of it. And it was, it was like the best dialogue of what it means to be a rebel that we've we've had in all of these Star Wars things. I yeah, I think it's it was it was very interesting that um Luthen is was uh well first of all, Saw was almost calling Luthen a radical, you know, mm-hmm. which was that was weird. Um but you're right, Luthen was saying we we need the Empire to hurt people because that's what starts a rebellion. It's like, you know, you gotta you know it and then he, he then Luthen criticizes Saw for hiding in caves and just trying to get spare parts. I couldn't help but draw a comparison to you know like Osama bin Laden type of a thing. That that's you know, and again it comes back to what I've said before is that we you know one person's hero is kind another of. person's you know villain. Uh, but they were talking about the nature of rebelling. And um, one very urban, one very rural. And, you know, so I, I thought that conversation between the two of them was just really engaging. Because Saul does a good point. He starts pointing out all the various disparate rebel groups. Each one of them has rebelled for a different reason. And that, that reason is a part of, you know, explains why they fight the way they, why they fight, but also the tactics that they use and the, walls they're not willing to go across or the fences they're not willing to cross in regards to too far for them. Saul is an anarchist. So according to Saul, you got to topple everything. There is no halfway measure. We will go all the way, but not everybody's willing to come to his side. And I think Luthen is more of a big picture guy who's saying, it doesn't matter why you're fighting or why they're fighting. You on your own will not win this. They on their own will not win this. This has to be all of us and we need more help we need more support. We need more money. We need more friends. That's only going to happen if the empire comes down on top of us like a can of bricks. So he said, "You can either." He tells uh, Cassian in episode one, "You can either die little bit by little bit, or you can give it all up at once." And this is a continuation of the same idea: is the empire is going to kill you inch by inch, taking a little bit of your rights every day, or we can create a reaction. They're going to try to take a whole bunch all at once. And it's going to force people to react. That's what Luthen's after. And the problem is, Saul agrees with him to a certain level, but Saul's not willing to come off. You're either all the way with me or I don't care. So it's an interest because we normally, we don't get this level of conflict within the rebels in most other Star Wars properties. Mm-hmm. Saul's line, he says, I'm the only one with clarity of purpose. And it just, it really sort of hits home, like, the delusions of grandeur, to borrow another Star Wars phrase that he has about his his own uh, ideas and um, rationale for what he, what he does. And uh, I'd be curious to see if we see more of some of his tactics that other people within the Rebellion don't approve of. Um, but, like, him and Luthen here are, like, 
lobbing these sorts of casual accusations back and forth. Oh, I think this might have been you on this job, wasn't it? No, I think it was you. There's like this respect between the two, which tells you Luthan's does some crazy stuff, right? Um, I mean, the other quote that like immediately jumped to mind to me when we're talking about the Empire just like being presented in this fashion as this brutal force that we hadn't really seen to this degree before, I thought of Luke's line in A New Hope, and he's it's like, it's it's not like I like the Empire, or I hate it, um, as it, when he's defending himself. And I always thought that was kind of an odd line in context, because it's like, why do you hate the Empire? I mean, on the face of it, yeah, that's a bad thing. It's a bad concept, but why do, why do you personally hate the Empire? Um, he's his farm kid out in the middle of the desert, you know, like, what? what's it to him? Um, but you see it, and to, this is all part of Luthen's strategy. It's like, make them come down even harder, reveal who they really are, and we'll bring more sympathy to our cause. Well, and you're obviously, I mean, it's, it's also kind of funny that, I mean, Empire gets everything that was coming to him because, I mean, if, if they don't increase the, the sentences and start to clamp down on people, then Cassian doesn't go to prison. So Cassian probably ends up living with the supermodel that he was living with on Miami beach or whatever, and never joins the rebellion. You know, you, you see where the dominoes are falling and I mean, and actually in prison, we, he's meeting up with Melshi. If you remember Melshi from rogue one. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but you're also seeing Cassian has survival skills because you, the, it's, what's really interesting when he's first in prison, he's, his eyes are shifting all over the place and he's figuring out how to stay alive and how to, you know, work in the system. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I was, I, did we know that Andy circus was going to be in this by the way? No, but nobody knew. That okay. Was a, that yeah. was, I was like, Oh, look at that. Okay, cool. Um, but, uh, he does a good job. Um, to you, to your point that you were making there about Cassian though, and about him being the survival skills, and then he can just adapt, right? And that's like that's his superpower. He can adapt to any situation, and he's a survivor. Um, <laughs> but we obviously it, know that he's going to be he's going to be recruiting a lot of these people to the cause. It's yeah, yeah, and like ultimately he's going to end up in a in a position that like. It, there's a great irony in that. Well, like right now he's experiencing the irony in his actions. Like he, he had this great score. He, you know, he made all this money. He didn't really care about the cause, but he got his. Well, well <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ferex is suffering bad. Um, he ends up in prison based on these new rules and like his sentence gets lengthened based on these new rules that he helped create with with his previous actions and then again his mom figure now is like off the rails like she's inspired by it and so don't see that ending well for her um she's gonna do something rash like throw a brick at a stormtrooper or something you know it just like that's where we're headed um so you know like his actions that he thought he was doing right by himself 
are actually creating more stress and more problems for himself. Now, to your point, like eventually he's going to get out of this and he's going to be a thorn uh, in the Empire's side and it will eventually be like their actions will end up coming home to roost and hurting them. But it's really fascinating and downright heartbreaking to watch um, Diego's acting performance in this episode be because by the end of this episode, he's indoctrinated. He's become part of the machine. Yeah. He's in it. And yeah. he's just like comfortable in that. Like he's taken on that role. The only hint that you get that he might eventually work his way free from this is when you see the prisoners doing sign language yeah. at one another from across the path from each other hinting that there's some kind of rebellion at foot eventually there but like other than that there's nothing in in his character's performance that would make you think that he's even thinking other anything other than keep your head down and survive and moreover like he almost looks like too comfortable well, but he also he also you know they when he gets into the cell block they're all asking him about you know what's mm -hmm. going on on the outside they want to know why everybody's sentences doubled and everything like that and the the impression that we get is that they're all po'd about it you know but could it be that they recognize something is happening that is changing things you know what i mean we're interpreting it as that they are they're mad you know but could it be they you know or is it is it kind of a dodge that we got there could it be you know they actually want to know because eventually they're going to find out that yeah cassian was part of this aldani thing because i go back to rogue one when cassian and all of his friends show up and these are all the people that are going to help Jin, you know go to scarif i, I bet half the people behind him in rogue one are the people from cell block five, you know, with the exception of the old guy, the old guy's going to buy it in the next uh, episode. I'm sure <laughs> all um, the old people are in danger. Right? All the old people are in danger. Uh, but let's, uh, let's, uh, there's okay. So, um, I do want to mention because we were talking earlier about representation matters. And this, this really struck me, um, is that we have, we have a very, out and open lesbian relationship in Star Wars between Val and Cinta to the part she says, you love me because I'm a mirror. Are you, you know, and, and my, and my wife goes, well, wait a minute, do we have it? And I was like, yeah. Um, and that, what I thought right away was they are doing it so much better in this show than they did in the force awakens. Everybody was like, you know, in The Force Awakens at the end when the two women oh. kiss and everybody's like, there we go, Star That's Wars, way to go. And to me, that was like a, you know, that was just checking a box. And here I mean, it's... Rise of Skywalker, Aaron. What did I say? Yeah, it was the end of Rise I mean, of Skywalker. Skywalker. What, uh, Force Awakens, uh, Rise of Skywalker, sorry. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. but anyway, it, it, you know, they did, it seemed like they were checking a box. Whereas mm -hmm. here it is, you know, an integral part of the story. It's natural. It's, you know, matter of fact, you know, um, I don't know. What, what do you guys think about this? What I, lo what I love, first of all, I love that it's, you know, 
because since the continuation, we know we've we've already established that Val and Cinta are a couple from their episodes in Aldani. I love the fact that they're working together, but that Cinta, you know, Cinta is checking Val. Uh, you know, as a is like, look, the the I think job the comes her, first. The call comes first. Yeah. We get what's left, meaning we're here for the rebellion. We're not here just because we're on vacation. That's a cute couple, and I think that stresses the dynamic of them as a couple as you know there's no difference they're doing their they've been sent on a mission uh i love the fact that there's a moment where you know vel's like look can we just be a couple and sentence like i'm not some little rich girl who ran away and you almost get a sense that she's calling her out very much in a way in which in a way in which only somebody who's in a relationship with that person could call him out well okay so it's all said it's all said but it's ne- it's never called attention unto itself. It's just it's part of who they are. The, I think that's so. Let, uh, I, I do. I think there's there's a lot of um, decisions that they made that are, are very interesting. Um, for example, uh, all the people that were being put on prison ships when casting being put on a prison ship, none of them looked like me or Dave. Mm-hmm. They were all people of color. Uh, now they when you got into prison. It, there was, you know, there's a there's more white people, but it, but it was the empire is, you know, it, it it was that was very telling to me from a visual standpoint. Mm-hmm. And then also when you, I mean, yeah, when Cinta calls her out, I mean, it's you know, pretty rich little blonde girl that you know, you know, there's there's a there's another there's some things that they're hinting at you know, from a social justice standpoint, um, that is a little bit, it's not as overt from, you know, a dialogue or a plot standpoint, but definitely from a visual standpoint. Yeah. And it's a, it's a continuation that just, it's a continuation juxtaposition to what Luthen tells, um, Mon Mothma about the risks that people are putting. She says she's at risk of losing stuff. You know, people like her and Vel may lose standing in society. People like Cinta and Cassian will lose their lives. And that's, you know, even when even when you have an oppressive regime, not everybody's oppressed the same way. Well, and you even have before, I'm sorry, I'm, before I let, I'm going to shut up and let Dave jump in here, but even you have rich white guy Luthan telling, you know, poor black guy Saw how he needs to rebel. <laughs> I mean, even that's there. You know, it's it's very it's there's a lot of things that are very maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't think so. I think there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot of these things are matter to the story. But Dave, go ahead. You, you spoke earlier to the deliberate juxtaposition between um, Cassian being in prison and us seeing Mon Mothma and her, you know, milieu. And um, I think like part of it is racial in nature and you see like a whole lot of fancy looking white folks at her party um and i don't think that again i think that's deliberate i think it's deliberate too to not just show that some people have it worse than others but that there that the oppression can take different forms um she's miserable she's in this loveless marriage uh trying to fight for this cause and find allies and it's it's not going super well she can't access her own money 
um it, it's just you know and 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 she's miserable and there's there it's okay that she's miserable you know it's 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 relatable that 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 someone of means could still be having a, a significant level of difficulty and but then by the same token you look at how much harder other people have it and how much worse it can be and and again like it tends to fall along these sorts of racial lines um and again i i tend to agree with you i think that's very deliberate um and you know the guards at the at the prison the brute the brutal guards at the prison facility were all your typical imperial types too you know the white british you know um oh god these guys could go appear in the original movie um same in nature to the ones that are in, uh, in Ferrix capturing uh, Bix and the other guy who was the, the shopkeeper who had the radio. Because mm-hmm. if, if you look at the population of uh, Ferrix, very ethnically diverse, mm-hmm. darker skin tones, whatever. All the empires, you know, again, the very much empire. The empire has a style. You know, <laughs> uh, and by the way, however, I want to say that I am far more into the story and intrigued by the story when the Empire is on there. Like, I am enthralled with the ISB right now. I mean, just the inner workings of the Empire, like I said, the brutality of it, it makes me sound sick, but it's just so very interesting. We haven't seen this. It's always been implied. And so maybe it's been a little bit more overt in books, but on the screen... We just knew they were bad guys, you know, they're the bad guys, but we didn't ever really see them being bad. It was always two armies shooting at each other, but this is, you know, and, and it's not just just brutal. It's insidious. Like the level of drill down that they're capable of, and not only capable of, but actually follow through on, like we're going to track down who this guy was, who his family was, where he might end up next. Uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to imprison this, this person that might've been calling him. We're not sure. And it's like, how close are they getting to him with it, it, their monolith, this huge, gigantic thing, this, this giant structure is so large that they have no concept that they already have him, right? We talked about that. They, he's he's under lock and key. They already have him. They could execute him today if they wanted to, if they knew that they had him. But there's no way that they could know that they have him because they're too big. But then on the flip side of the coin is, like, they're coming so close to him through through these methods that they have that, again, partially brutal but also partially just... So, so can I, so can I, uh, go, we're talking about you, like Fredo, you said, um, the empire has a style going back to, you know, just however I I kept thinking, it's like, but the ISB, they, they have their one black guy. Now, would it be too lazy of writing to make him a rebel plant or a rebel sympathizer it would make sense kind of within the story and within that broader, I mean, it, it, it would almost be too like on the nose 
you know, but I mean, yeah. I find it interesting that, you know, there's that conflict between him and Miro mm-hmm. and, and it seems like a power play, but maybe it's, it's actually more of a control. And if, you know, I don't know, maybe he wanted that system because is there a reason why that piece of Imperial equipment ended up in Cassian's hands? I don't know. I'm uh, speculating uh, uh, wildly uh, here. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily know that, that he is a rebel. It'd be interesting. It'd be an interesting way. Cause how did he get in there? That'd be a, I, I do think, I mean, in a lot of ways, part part of what Andor's doing really well in showing the interesting aspect of the Empire is we've always known, I mean, whether it was Rogue One or Empire Strikes Back, that there's almost a dog-eat-dog mentality within Imperial officers yeah. at every yeah. level. They are, I need to climb over your corpse to get ahead. And if that corpse gets taken out by Lord Vader choking you because you failed, or if I get to show my superiors that, that I did some better and you were in my way, you know, I'll do that. So there's always that nature within them. So it makes me wonder if maybe because of that particular way that the Empire is, maybe uh, uh, the agent, the uh, ISB agent against Nero, maybe he was just like, look, I know I have to protect myself, and thus maybe I have to protect myself twice as hard because I know what happens to people who don't look like me here, or who look like me here. So... It could be it could be any number of ways. I, it's inter- like I said. I think one of the interesting things, because of the pace, because of the story they're telling, they're being more cautious and more self-assured and creating a far bigger dialogue. They're not just because you're right. Ultimately, the empire is evil, but they're not just giving you empire evil go. They're taking the time to show you how evil they are. They're taking the time to delve into whether it's the banality of their evilness, just the machine churning along. Or whether it's when they're actively evil, like, you know, Miro and the ISB are on Ferrix torturing Cassian's friends because they're after Cassian. These people have told them, we have no idea where this guy is, but they're after him. And so they know that if they can't get him, they'll get at the people he loves. Even though their own nature, their own incompetence, their own way of working prevents them from recognizing, wait a minute, this guy's in one of our jails building engine parts for our mach- for our war machine. Cyril's going to be the one to figure that out. I know the, uh, the alarm has gone off a while ago, um, but, so, but Dave, I want to throw it to you. Just put a bow on this. Um, are, we, are we still digging this series? Is it letting you down at all? Anything we've missed in our conversation tonight? I don't think there's anything that we've missed here. I mean, there's so much that you could talk about, though. I mean, um, it's far more poet. complex than any of the shows that we've had so far. I'm sorry. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, there's a genuine poetry to it, too. I mean, you talk about they're not... You could use any number of descriptors, right? We've talked about it being one of the more adult shows that there that there is in Star Wars. I, I, was, I was talking to Kate about this the other day. This is a good television show. Like, you don't need the descriptor Star Wars attached to any part of that phrase this is a good television show yeah. um and i think like that's one of the highest compliments i can give it because we're all fans of star wars we're going to tune in one way or the other um this is one of those shows where i don't 
there there sometimes there are mixed feelings. Let's say oh, prequels are a perfect example. There are mixed feelings there. There's a lot of history there. It's been covered, but I have mixed feelings about the prequels. I don't have mixed feelings about this show. This show is incredible so far. Um, anybody that it doesn't click with, cool. That's that's fine, you know. Go find Star Wars that clicks with you. But um, for me personally, this is this is something that we haven't had before. I, and I, yeah, and 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 that I appreciate a great deal um, on its own. Let alone the fact that it's treating me like an intelligent person. Let alone the fact that they're doing incredible character development and interplay and dialogue here that you don't normally get i it's just I, I mean i could gush forever it's Did, can it's i so can i say however i think i read someplace i think tony gilroy said that there was i think what 119 speaking roles <laughs> and you know it's like when we went to the prison and they started introducing everybody I, in my brain i'm like f this i'm not going to remember who these people are and half of them are going to be dead next episode so what do but i you, you know ha- you don't have to though which you know. is like super helpful um when you're reading, this is where this this series actually has an advantage over the books because when you're reading a book, you're like, oh I gotta, oh god, here's another name. I gotta remember who this with, person with is with all the apostrophes that you can't yeah, pronounce the name. Yeah. yeah, they're gonna refer to this person again later. I gotta remember who they are. Here, you can just take a picture of their face and be like, okay, that guy, stormtrooper, got guy. it. Yeah, yeah, got it. So, kind of, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and kind of to, to Dave's point and kind of bring it back to what we're saying about Star Wars and Marvel, this is something that I hope that they do focus on going forward. Not everything has to be the lightsaber show of the week or the action-adventure show of the week. It's fun when it is. Don't get me wrong. I love The Mandalorian. I love Kenobi. If we get a season two, I'll be thrilled with it. If we get another, you know, when Ahsoka comes, I'm ready for it. But I love the difference of this. It's a, di- it's like, it's like you know when when you're listening to music and you go from something very poppy and very hook driven to something that's more jazz, synth or just slow down, you know. So sometimes you know the fact that Star Wars is able to give you different flavors and different uh, soundscapes and different ways of being, and that it still fits within the framework of what is Star Wars, it's a good thing and. You know, maybe we'll not connect with everybody. You know, maybe it'll take the next show for Dave's kids to come back into the couch and go, yeah, I want to see this. It's maybe it'll take the next adorable droid or creature. You know, that's the kind of thing. It's like, it's fine when it doesn't have that, but it's still good. And if you don't connect with it, totally fair. The other, the other thing that's it's cool about more. Star Wars is that it ages well. And so like, you know, his kids who aren't into it right now, they're, they could come back to this in five years and and find it pretty cool and it, it and it won't have it, it won't have like lost its relevancy um so yeah i mean th- this is weird i mean I, I i think you there's a lot more deep dive we could do into each episode um but this is not i still when i when the credits roll i go uh eh. so um i can't wait for the next episode um so anyway, um, but I do predict that the the old guy on table five is going to whatever they're working on is going to cut off his hands or something. He's going to die. Um, 
he's two weeks he's, before he's retired. He's the weak link. He's the weak link on the table. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we also want Andy to get it right at this point. You want Andy to can get they it? chop off his arm? Maybe. Can they, can they chop off his arm so that we get you know that this is like you know multiverse claw, um, <laughs> or, or chop him in half, kind of like kind of like they did Snoke. That'd be poetic. So, anyway, all right. Well, we'll see what Andor has to bring us uh, in the next couple episodes. Next week, like I said, we'll be talking about Tales of the Jedi. Um, I think we'll have some cool things to talk about there. Um, can't wait i can't wait for you to re- watch these dave because you're gonna find some cool things i think but i just set it up now you're gonna find them miserable so <laughs> yep all right hang over well, me with with that we will say who that who that everybody have a happy halloween and we'll see you next week my monkey.